0: Yeah, I don't want to lose the family nature of this congregation. We can't lose that. If we lose the essence of being a relational community, we've we've went off the map. I don't even want to be a I don't want to be a part of a congregation that's just gonna be status quo. Do you? No I'm asking seriously, do you? I want to be a congreg- congregation that is truly a family. That means everybody has to everybody has to want that to make it work. If you want a program you're definitely not going to find it here <laughs> but if you want a family and you're willing to sacrifice for that because it requires sacrifice to enter into it because to follow Yeshua requires your whole life but guess what we follow him into community we follow him into community he's not an individualistic Jesus he's a family Jesus Just, I've been thinking about this a lot, like, I'm serious, I loved Kingdom Living's relational nature when I first came here. I found relationships at a level that I hadn't had them, and I had some pretty deep relationships in terms of with families and with people, but in terms of entering a whole new level of relationships and community, I found something here that I didn't have before, and I have no motivation to do something different. Uh, no motivation to be an unrelational congregation where people just make community an optional thing so if community is kind of optional for you like if you've kind of been leaning a little bit towards making community an option but maybe, maybe you maybe had a season where you were devoted but now it's kind of an option I want to encourage you that's not what the Lord has for you the Lord has for us to be a family and to follow him into being a family I'm, just, I'm sharing my own struggles here, my own wrestles. I'm just, I'm just, I have zero motivation to be a part of something that's not building family. Zero. I'd give up my salary in a, in a minute if that's what this was about. And I'd go work a normal job because my identity is not in my job. My identity is in God, my Father, in Yeshua, and in His family. Yeah, identity is not individualistic. Do you know that? Even God's own identity isn't individualistic. God's primary identity is as a father. His identity is in his relationship with his son. And the son's identity is in relationship with his father. You asked Yeshua who he is. One of the first things he's going to tell you about himself is, I'm the son of my father. His identity is relational. So is yours. There's no such thing as an individualistic identity. Identity is relational. That's reality. There is no true identity outside of relationships. Do you you know that? It doesn't exist. It's a lie. Our identity is relational to the core. To the core Therefore, to not prioritize relationships is to not live true to your identity. Maybe I'm speaking to the choir, but I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded of things because I forget stuff a lot and I'm only 42. I just don't have the motivation to live for something less than what God has for me. I don't have the motivation to to live for something less than God's purpose. I don't have it. I can't go on doing this work unless we're gonna do this together and truly renew our pursuit of family. Something that we have, something that we've had, But something God wants more of for me and for you. He wants a greater expression of family here. But we have to want it. He's not going to coerce us into it. He's not going to force us into it. He won't do it. He won't coerce us into it. There's so many distractions away from relationships. The things we're tempted to prioritize instead of relationships. It so saddens our father's heart because it's not his heart for us. His heart is to have a family. Let me just share a few words for 10 minutes or so about the book of Ephesians. I wish I could read the whole thing to you right now. This is just some meditations on Ephesians. You can go read it and and check it out to see if what I'm saying is consistent with it. One of the things that really helped me with Ephesians is something Paul says in chapter 3. I'm going to read in verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Messiah Yeshua on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. So chapters 1 and 2 is about this mystery, because he says this mystery that's been revealed as I have already written to you briefly. So he's been talking about this mystery. In Ephesians 1 and 2, So let's hear what he says about this mystery as we continue. Verse 4, when you read this, you will perceive my insight into the mystery of Messiah, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Now listen, verse 6, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs with Israel members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Messiah Yeshua through the gospel. So Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2 and Ephesians 3 and Ephesians 4 and Ephesians 5 and Ephesians 6 is all about this mystery, this mystery of God's plan that he would have a family from every nation, people, tribe, and tongue that would be heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and shares together in the promise of Messiah Yeshua. So in chapter 1, when we read this, this brachah, this blessing of Peter, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Yeshua, the King, who has blessed us in the King with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Yeshua the King according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. Meaning, Before God created the world, he determined in his heart to have a family that would include a people, a saved people from Israel and a saved people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. And his purpose was to have this family that would be adopted. He had this family that would be sons and daughters that are part of a family together. This was before creation. This was before the Abrahamic covenant also known as the patriarchal covenant, the covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that tri-generational covenant. This was before Mount Sinai. This was before King David. This was before the incarnation, the coming of Yeshua in the flesh. This was before the cross, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension. All of that that I just mentioned is the outworking of the plan he had from before creation. He wanted a family. He wanted a relational family. And he predestined that this family would include a saved people of Israel and a saved people from every nation, people, tribe, and language. And they would be one family in the beloved son. And the covenantal history of the Bible is the outworking of this predetermined plan. So, Ephesians kind of takes us back before eternity in chapter 1. And then it takes us into history, and it talks about how this plan was affected, it was realized in Yeshua the Son. Specifically, it focuses on the cross of Yeshua as the way to bring salvation to this family. This family that extends from before the cross, all the way back to the very beginning, and after the cross all the way into the age to come. The cross was to gather this family of Jew and Gentile from the beginning of time to the end of time. And Jesus died for this family. Yeshua died for this family. So Ephesians 1 gives us this big picture about how through believing in the gospel of our salvation, this family is sealed by the Holy Spirit. And we're sealed by the Holy Spirit For the day of redemption, for the day of our resurrection, for the day of the consummation of God's covenant plan for this family to be with him forever. So this family in chapter 2 is dead in trespasses and sins unless God in his great love and by his mercy raises this family from the dead. And brings them out from the dominion of Satan. Brings them out from the bondage to the flesh and the world. And brings them into his son. Because his whole predetermined plan was to have a family in his beloved son. So he unites the family to his son. He saves the family in his son. He brings the family into his son. He delivers them from their trespasses and sins. And we learn that this deliverance is not individualistic in chapter 2 we learn the outworking of this plan is the reconciliation of not just the Jews and the Gentiles to God, but to one another, destroying the hostility through the cross. The cross was about a family. The cross was about relationships. The cross was about bringing two groups of humanity that has much diversity, Jews and Gentiles, and reconciling them to the Father from whom every name on heaven and earth is derived. And bringing them together as a family. That was the Father's heart from the beginning. That's why Yeshua died. He died for relationships. He died to reconcile broken, evil-ridden relationships. That were corrupted and hurting and damaged and broken and hostile. Towards Him and towards each other. And to show the power of the cross. To build a community of relationships. Relationships. And if we're not committed to build a community of relationships, we're denying the purpose of the cross. We're denying the heart of the Father if we're not pursuing the purpose He had in His heart from before creation. And that was to have a family. And there's microcosms of this. They're called congregations. Congregations are microcosms of the big family that He's building across time and space, every nation, people, tribe, and language. But congregations... It's really the hope of revealing this plan to humanity. God's plan is not to primarily work through uh, individualistic ministries, but through a family that's expressed in congregations throughout the world. And the cross, right, was to purchase this ecclesia, which is the Greek word for what? Congregation. Community. The cross was for this what? Bride of Messiah. Which is growing throughout the whole world, but it's expressed in what? Congregations. He died for a family. He died for Jews and for Gentiles. In chapter three, it talks about how This ecclesia, this family, is is to reveal the multifaceted wisdom of God. To the principalities and powers, we're to be a signal of the devil's defeat. This family, as it grows in its form, that is established, it reveals the wisdom of our Father. And it communicates to the principalities and powers that their plan to destroy God's purpose for humanity is anticipating a great and final defeat because the one who died on the cross is building his what his ecclesia in the gates of sheol will not prevail against it and as these communities form on the earth it's revealing the wisdom of god and it's speaking to the principalities and powers The Son of God's purpose to bring the Father's family into fruition will not be defeated. Look at it. Look at these people from different backgrounds, male, female, Jew, and Gentile, rich, poor, black, white, Asian. Look at them. They're coming together. The Father's family is being worked out in the earth. And the devil cannot stop it. But individually, if we decide to opt out Of his purpose and create our own Jesus and create our own gospel, then we miss out. His plan won't be stopped, but we miss out. So I'm just encouraging us let's be renewed by the Holy Spirit in our commitment to build real community. Don't make community optional. Don't make being together optional or secondary or third or fourth or fifth on the list. We live in a condemnation-free zone, so I'm not gushing you with condemnation, but I am, I am warning you with love that you will miss out on your eternal purpose if you opt out of building real relationships and real community. Chapter four talks about what? One God, one Lord, one baptism, one Holy Spirit. What? One family. And then it talks about this family being conformed to the image of the Son. Because God's predestined purpose was to have a family that's conformed to the image of His Son. Chapter 5 talks more about how this family is to be a family that produces marriages. Marriages that reflect the Lord and His Ecclesia. And it's produced godly children and grandchildren as we move into the beginning of chapter 6. In chapter 6, we learn about this army community. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. This family is to be an army. This Body is to be an army. This priesthood is to be an army. This bride is to be an army. Chapter 6 is not primarily about individualistic warfare, but every individual must fight. It's about a family fighting together, fighting for each other because they have the love of Messiah in their heart and they fight for each other's destinies. They fight for each other's growth. They fight for each other's progression and joy and faith and hope. In love. They fight. They stand with each other. They're present with each other. They pray for each other. At the end of chapter 3, it talks about how we're to grow in the love of Messiah, the expanse of His love, the width, high depth, length of Messiah's love by the power of the Holy Spirit. That we're to Comprehend this love of Messiah together, says with all the kedoshim. Together, we're to comprehend this love. We limit our growth if we limit our involvement in true relationship community building. We limit our knowledge of the Messiah's love because it doesn't say that every individual can just go off on their own and grow in the love of Messiah. It doesn't say that. It says we comprehend it with all the kedoshim. And it's by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we grow up together into the fullness of God, the full revelation of Yeshua and his image in this family. I'm only just hitting snapshots of this, but my point is this, that we have to be a community who fights for each other and fights together. We have to be a community that fights for each other and fights together. And I want you to renew your commitment today, 2020, that you will follow the Holy Spirit into his role for you in building community, especially in your small groups. But we're going to find ways to extend relationships behind those. There's some more information coming on that soon. We're going to multiply prayer. We're going to multiply other opportunities to be connected because we need more encouragement. The body of Messiah is under-encouraged. All leaders are under-encouraged. I would say all congregants are under-encouraged. All fathers and mothers are under-encouraged. You know why? One of the reasons is because God is designed to get encouragement through relational connections, through relational family. That he's sometimes saying, I want you to be so overflowing with encouragement, but you got to follow my plan. you got to let my spirit guide you into my purpose for you in building relational family. Because that's the encouragement context. So that our encouragement tanks could be filled up more and stay sustained. We're going to take the Lord's table now. And... I'm asking us as a congregation to take this as one body. Sharing in one loaf, one Messiah, one bread of life and participating in the power of his sacrifice, his blood together. Which brings the forgiveness of sins, which brings liberation from sin, which brings reconciliation with God, which brings us all into the new covenant. So, Tom, why don't you come up? I want to pray for us first before we take it. Why don't you stand to your feet? Father, I just want to thank you for 20,019. I want to thank you, Lord, for all the work you've done in this community. I want to thank you for all the love that you have poured in this community and through this community. I want to thank you for all the sacrifices everybody has made, all the service everybody has given, all the gifts people have stewarded, all the ways people have built relationships, have honored relationships, have honored their commitments to one another. I want to thank you, Lord, for the ways people have been healed, the ways people have been encouraged and been encouragers. I want to thank you for the ways people have stepped more into what I was just talking about than they ever have before. I want to thank you for their faithfulness. I want to thank you for your faithfulness to them. I want to thank you for everybody here, Lord. I want to thank you for their faith, hope, and love. I want to thank you for their devotion to you. I want to thank you for their devotion to this community. Lord, but I'm saying we need more. We need more of your presence. We need more of your love. We need more of your power. We need more of your heart for each other, Lord. Give us your heart for each other. Give us your love for each other. Give us your love for the world that we would see that the world would come into this family. Lord, help us, pour out your Spirit on us, send revival into our hearts. Forgive us our sins, forgive us our shortcomings. Forgive us for the ways we haven't lived this out, Lord. Lord, me first, forgive me, Lord. Help us, wash us, cleanse us, renew us, strengthen us, unite us. Cause the forces of evil to be scattered from us. Arise, O Lord, let your enemies be scattered over every family, every person, every heart, every mind. Lord, let the forces of evil be scattered by your Holy Spirit in the name of the blood of Yeshua. Rescue us, deliver us, encourage us. I pray nobody would leave this scourge. Encourage every heart, Lord. Fill every heart, renew minds, sanctify us for your glory. Yeshua's name.